Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. Have you ever gone to a meetup not knowing what to expect or who you'll meet? You sit down and awkwardly chit-chat with people around you before it finally happens. You meet the one person who makes the event worth attending. Two months ago, that happened to me. I went to a podcast meetup and sat next to today's guest. James Jensen Grace is the founder and CEO of Branding for Pride, an LGBTQ digital media marketing and branding consultancy firm. In this conversation, James shares his experience and wisdom as a transgender man and serial entrepreneur, not just around branding, marketing, and impact, but with life. We discuss his approach to building connections with people and how it relates to his desire to learn, evolve, and continually impact others. James also shares many stories from growing up on a ranch, running a wedding DJ business, and building resilience to knowing when to quit how to fail forward, and his three-step approach to spreading love and joy. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 712. Well, James, welcome to Getting Work to Work. We met at a meetup in Portland, and to me, it felt like a weird networking group, but I'm glad that we sat next to each other because it it was the thing that I remembered about the event, and it made the event that much better. So thanks for being here. I actually agree with that. You definitely ring a bell. <laughs> so I enjoyed meeting and connecting, and I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Well, James, what are you endlessly curious about? I really enjoy learning and finding out ways to create impact. So I'm always curious on how people are uh, aiming to impact other people, what they like to impact with, and how can people monetize off of that Wow! so that they can further that impact. Yeah, that's a huge curiosity. I mean, what is an example of something that you recently learned that turned into impact? This book that I recently read keeps ringing back into my head every time I think about growth because I like to focus on my own growth significantly yeah. and bringing that to the table for other people is really important to me. So this book that I've been reading is called Platonic hmm. I haven't heard and of. it is about platonic relationships and the importance of platonic relationships. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the deepest like internal impacts that we can create in ourselves of how can we create beautiful relationships? How can we have deeper connections, and what can we do with those connections when we go out to the world? Uh, oh, I love that. Because it's like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it, it seems like as we get older, like you have less friends, you make less friends, you don't put the value on relationship like you do when you're younger. So I, I like that there's actual research and information out there so that we don't fall into that trap. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's kind of on that set of you need to find your your mate, your partner. Right. So we forget to really look at the people around us and think about the way that they impact us and how we impact them. Yeah. And how, like I said, how can this relationship continue to build and impact other people around us? So fascinating. 
I like the way that you described it too. Beautiful relationships. Cause it's just like there's there's sometimes this drive to ascribe beauty only in the terms of like physical beauty or physical lust. And this idea that there's something beyond just the physicalness of beauty that can be beautiful. I like that. Yeah. I've always found beauty in the people's internal being versus that external because it's always been associated as that you know beautiful portrait kind of thing right so what for you is a an indicator of internal beauty ah i think vulnerability being able to connect on that one-on-one level being vulnerable with your feelings your emotions with your stories because they impact other people and we don't have to hide behind the masks that we try to put on for society. With this drive for impact, what what got you interested in that? And how does that translate to being a serial entrepreneur? That's a great question. Uh, I think a lot of it came from just years of trying to find the niche that's right for me. Mm. I started digital media marketing, um, probably in 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And when I really started going with it, um, I was kind of just doing whatever for whoever. Yeah. And I didn't quite know what to focus on. I was very, I guess, lost. And I'm a transgender man and I lived stealth. So just blending in with society for a very, very long time. So I was invited to a great meeting with a few individuals that were primarily like hospital admins Hmm. and other healthcare workers. And when I was invited there, they wanted to hear about my transition story. Mm -hmm. And as I talked with them, I really realized that I understand how to do the marketing and make it comfortable for people and that my story could impact other people. So that really woke up that fire of, hey, impact is crucial. We're no longer on the terms of you just have a product to sell, let's buy it. We're on the path of how can these products leave an impact or positively impact other people's lives? So it's just kind of been a driving force and watching digital media take over and watching how it's changed the entire market for marketing uh it's really just woken me up made me want to try different things test different things help out different organizations i love when people lead with that impact model where it's not all about the revenue but the revenue is very very crucial so that that impact can be further out there it can go a lot further with that revenue what I also heard in that too was you you mentioned that you were living stealthily as a transgendered man. And once you started like owning and believing your own story, it then it's almost like that became your niche, it sounds like. Yeah, it took me 10 years. <laughs> I started my transition back when I was like uh what 18, 19 years old. Okay. And then it's like a few years later, it was like I just started rolling with things 
I started a DJ business and I realized that I could get most of my uh, clients through social media. And then from there, I realized that I could do more. I could go out and help other people start marketing. One of the biggest issues people had were, uh, we don't need clients yet. We need workers. And that made me realize that there's all these different areas that we can help and fill and that can help them grow in the ways that they need to, because there's so many wheels that got to turn all those gears. So being able to come out, I guess, and live authentically and be more vocal about it really changed the game for me, really like opened me up to more than just I'm a business. I'm actually a human. I'm an individual and I can create a personal brand and I can impact other people with that. And I can get my messaging out further, especially with social media. That's such an interesting point, too, because I think no matter who you are, I think we're often the ones that hold us back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many times. And that imposter syndrome sneaks yeah. in and paralyzes you sometimes. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with that throughout this last year where I just needed to sit down and really evaluate what am I doing? How do I feel? How should I do something different? And we don't give enough credit to slowing down and thinking about those times, what we can change. Hmm. Flexion. Yeah. It's interesting too, James, as you go down this road of impact, as you go down the road of how can I help people? Was it a desire to be a serial entrepreneur or was that just a byproduct of what you were learning about yourself and about the ways that you related with the world? I love that question. Uh, I would say that it just kind of happened. It really did. When I was DJing weddings, I realized that there was a certain power in being able to bring the crowd onto the dance floor. And being able to change the entire room's mood by fluctuating through music. One of my fun tricks was uh, playing certain songs that would get the older generation on the dance floor and then bringing it up to, you know, the usually the young couple that just recently got married. And I realized that that was something that these people are going to carry away for the rest of their lives. They're probably going to think about this, that that moment in their history, it matters. There was, there was impact there. And especially for the people that came to the wedding and didn't feel too included. So I just kind of, I could feel that and it was boiling over all the time. And when I started trying to focus on marketing for businesses, it was the desire to help them get their messaging out. So I didn't quite realize that impact was kind of behind that for me, mm. but it just continued to circle around and find its way to remind me that this is about creating an impact. It's not just about increasing revenue. Mm -hmm. So I found that starting different businesses, starting different projects, joining in on like some some boards for nonprofits all of it's kind of just led me to this deep desire to help it's kind of led me to focusing more on 
you know, what brings me joy and happiness and what can help them get their message further in the world. What a great illustration, too, of empathy in the form of DJing. Yeah. You know, you're you're developing this ability to bring generations together and and what they connect most with. And it sounds like you do that no matter what medium you're working in, whether it's digital media or music. It's been a series throughout my life mm-hmm. where I've really realized that it all ties together because it's me. Mm-hmm. It's not just something I'm picking up and doing. It's I put heart and soul in each faucet, I guess, right? Yeah. So would you say that the that there's a difference between personal brand and niche because it sounds like what what i'm hearing you say is niche was something that you were looking for whereas personal brand was something that came from within that's a great starting point personal brand is pretty much your face being the face of a brand mm-hmm. if you can build a personal brand which is easy with social media then any kind of project that you start to work on, it'll be easier to tap into the market because they trust you versus a brand's face is primarily just what the products are, maybe their mission, their values, so on and so forth. And a lot of those come from really digging into what you're offering and how to help versus that personal brand you're showcasing your abilities your values and your projects that you like to work on interesting Hmm. so you are the founder and ceo of branding for pride an lgbtq plus digital media marketing and branding consultancy firm where does your interest in media come from because you know does it stem from the djing or Was there other things that were factors in in you creating that work? I think there's been a multitude of things. I was just recently learning how the Myers-Briggs, you know, how it picks out your personality and you figure out who you are. And I've always been the leader type. And as I took a look at that, I realized, like, I like to lead and I like to, like I keep saying, I like to try and impact other people. So a lot of branding for pride really came from just realizing that there was a missed market. There's a lot of different brands out there that don't realize that they're not putting a positive impact out there, Mm -hmm. especially when their product or their service or their organization is focused around more of a positive light. (laughs) So seeing that there are so many brands out there that are kind of posting in the dark i realized that if i can help change that way that people are doing it i could see them get positive results and i feel like this has really come from it's kind of come from multiple places really i I grew up on a ranch and i'm always going to be the kid that's like i'm gonna get things done regardless (laughs) um it's just that ranch mentality Uh, so being able to like, just look back on my life, I've always, yes, I've questioned why we get it done, but I try to 
I aim to lead with integrity. If I'm going to say I'm going to do it, I'm going to get it done. And it's really led into my transition a lot of the time. Because as soon as my mind's made up, I'm going to push through anything I can to make sure I can get it done. And it's kind of just led me into the next thing of, you know, the DJ business. I didn't know what I was doing. I got my hands on some equipment and I had two terabytes of music and I was having fun with playing everything from the 1920s on up. So I'm always the willing, like I've got that willingness to pick something up figure out if I like it or not, put it down, you know, whatever aspect it is. And with branding for pride, I've been able to pick it up and adjust accordingly, figuring out, you know, maybe my focus shouldn't be like right now I'm questioning, should I focus on digital media marketing or more consulting on branding and being more of an educational platform? So constantly taking a look, evaluating, figuring out, well, how can I make these adjustments and these tweaks to still impact other people, but still bring myself fully, like authentically there. Mm -hmm. So I've just had that willingness to, to learn and figure it out. I'm curious about that moment before you make up your mind. Because you said, once I make up my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow through no matter what. How do you know in those moments of what to put down and what to carry through to the end? I think most of it just comes from that gut feeling and intuition. Seeing something that you might be able to have a solution for and then testing the market. You know, you can write a long business plan, but the only way you can really test something out is by going out and doing it. So jumping into the boat, paddling away, seeing if it floats. If it doesn't, then you might have to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, sometimes you've got to take a step back and think, you know, am I quitting if I give this up? Or am I, I think that's one of the biggest battles of thinking I'm quitting, I'm giving up. But sometimes you have to set that thing down in order to pick up the next thing. Maybe even make a not-to-do list of the things not to focus on. Apple did it, <laughs> and look at that company. Right. I love that, too, because there's such a stigma on the word quit. And yet, it's, it's a necessary part of progress. Yes, and failing forward. Yeah. That's something a lot of people hold on to. I have failed so many times. I have felt like I failed a few times this last year. But the more you fail, you know, the better you're going to get. Yeah. What's that Michael Jordan uh, quote that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Right. That's the truth. <laughs> you've got to take the shots. You've got to practice. You got to figure it out. If it works, it works. If not, then maybe test another thing. Maybe check another sport out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, that Michael Jordan even tested another sport out. <laughs> Yeah, he did. <laughs> we don't talk about his baseball career. <laughs> Do you have an example of something that you worked on for with branding for pride that was the I don't want to say validator of the the idea of what you're building, but just something that you hold on to is like, yes, that right there 
is the work I do. That's the impact I want. Right now, I am working with a book publishing company, and they have a very, very, very small budget, but it's really woken that sense up of, I understand how to help them put in systems because they're a very small company with like five different publishers, uh, publishing companies underneath. So being able to sit down with them every week has been so impactful for me because it's just been a really beautiful process to try and figure out, well, what's not working? How can we change this? How can we set this up for a successor? And how can we aim to monetize and spread the word out? And I think that's been, honestly, the best process I've ever had. A lot of clients come with the idea that they could just make a million dollars and move on with life. But when you work with somebody that actually like puts their heart into it and realizes that this is a slow process, it's not always fast. I think that's been the most re- like the most rewarding thing. It really has. I've really enjoyed watching this piece together and you know, it took us like a year to circle around and start to work on the website as an entire team, but we've built it's part of me now. I'm there every Friday working with them and, you know, just seeing them come together where it was just one person and me and then two people on a call and piecing the next pieces together. And now we're up to, I think, four or five of us working together on just little things where we're staying at that low, low budget, but we're still aiming to create the impact for the authors and for the readers and for the internal team to come together and find a way to really actually build the business side out. That's what's got me questioning if I should do digital media marketing anymore. Because <laughs> being able to build the internal pieces, it's something that so many businesses forget about, so many organizations too. So yeah. that's, that's the work that I love. And there needs to be more money in it sometimes. But (laughs) (laughs) there's something that you said that just really got me thinking of, of the work. And it is when you said, sometimes the work takes longer than we want it to. And when I was younger in my career and in my own business journey, I felt that pressure to be like, if it's not a fast impact, I have failed. And, and, I I think as I've matured, I've started to recognize that even though digital media is instantaneous, impact is a long game. Yeah. And I've just, I've grown to be more comfortable in expressing that to clients, especially with people that are like, they're, they're fishing for budgets and, and pricing and and things like that. And I'll, I'm learning to just say, it's going to take longer than you think it will. And are you okay with that? Yeah. I'm still getting okay with being, (laughs) you know, saying that. I get that. (laughs) I do the same. You know, I want to jump on a project right away and I want to do the most I can. And sometimes under promising and over delivering is not on my table at all. I try to be that way, um, but I'm still finding it to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Because it's it's hard being realistic with people sometimes. 
you know, I'll try to have a meeting for like 30 minutes to figure out what exactly they need. Mm-hmm. And because I primarily work with LGBTQ plus, uh, I notice that sometimes those meetings take a lot longer because there's entire backstories that go with it. So finding a way to kind of reel it in to what are the most crucial factors and here's the game plan has been quite a challenge, truthfully. Yeah. A lot of people, like like you just mentioned, a lot of people do think, you know, it's going to be quick. Right. But it is a very, very long process and it's the long game. I like how you hold space for people to feel comfortable sharing their story, but also connecting that story to the work at hand. Yes. Like, does that come naturally for you? That's a great one. Uh, you know, I would say it probably does. It kind of almost seems like my sixth sense. I do feel like our stories, even our painful stories, can help other people and impact other people. And we can really, you know, digital media and marketing is now to the point where emotional intelligence is very crucial. So being able to storytell and create that connection with the crowd is going to make them want to support an organization or a business. So I do find that it's just been natural for me to be able to connect the two and find some way to integrate certain pieces. What's interesting too is when someone has a very powerful story, Sometimes the desire is to tell the whole story as opposed to reading the context of the situation you're in, taking a a portion of the story that fits that context. I think that almost leads to more impact as opposed to, oh, here we go. James is going to be telling me a story again, or Chris (laughs) is going to be telling me a story again. And as opposed to just really fine-tuning that craft of the storyteller being like this is this is the moment right here for this part yeah finding that is definitely difficult yeah especially because we just want to be heard Mm -hmm. you know um i've had my fair share of challenges with that and finding ways to connect with the crowd lead with some impact or an impactful story but also having like a call to action to encourage other people to either reflect or try something new. Because engaging with the crowd is crucial. So many people forget that you're there to engage with them. You're not the, the person just standing on a podium to share a story. You're there to have these people walk away thinking and remembering you, but also walking away with maybe some new information maybe a new feeling in their body Mm. i love that connection to the feelings in our body too because so much of storytelling has been almost co-opted to this like logical rational sense but sometimes the best stories create a physical response it does it really does yeah and that's the way we should be telling stories. <laughs> like that's how we build like a true connection. Mm-hmm. 
It's because we can relate versus take over the conversation or one up another person. But being able to connect on that level and share experiences and be vulnerable with each other. Because even, even if you just say a couple of words to somebody at a grocery store, that could be something that sits with them all day long. It could be something that sits with them for the rest of their lives. Like I'm sure even the listeners right now, you can probably think of one person in your life that you don't even know the name of. You don't know anything about them, but you can think back to that one moment and how it made you feel. And you can connect on that level and, and realize like, hey, my little bit can impact other people. My moments of connecting can leave somebody feeling any type of way. I'm just thinking about the grocery store right now and, and what we're losing with self-checkout. Oh, yes. Mm. Yes. I want to share a little bit of a tip there because I, I've started adopting this thing. Actually, I adopted it at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, it started with going through the Starbucks line. Mm -hmm. And I decided to say, hey, I really appreciate you. I hope you all have a good day. And I said it right there at the box. And like four or five people popped on. And there was one person's voice that choked up as they said, thank you. And it's making me emotional now. But I've decided that that was something that was important. There was a time in my life where I was working a terrible job, not really wanting to exist. And just that little bit of somebody looking me in the eye and making me feel connected was crucial. So I've kind of developed this like three-step process because most of us are like anxiety riddled, right? Yeah. So my process on like working through that when you're going to the grocery store is number one, tell yourself it's okay to be anxious. You're doing all right you're okay. Number two would be running it through your brain, figuring out, you know, what are the details? I'm getting in the car. I'm driving to the grocery store. I'm picking up some products. I'm coming back home. And leading into the third thing would be something that would be a reward. It doesn't need to be the ice cream that you're going to get afterwards. It doesn't need to be any of that sort. Right. Are <laughs> that, you in my head right now? <laughs> you're thinking about that ice cream, huh? Tillamook ice cream, huh? Mm. <laughs> so uh, for my reward, I have found it so rewarding to walk up to different people that are working there in the grocery store and just saying, hey, I appreciate all you do today and I hope you have a good day. Mm. And I, I tell everybody all the time, it's it's a numbers game. You may go up to three different people in that store and they may not even turn around, look at you. They may brush you off, you know, whatever it is. But if you keep going around and trying to spread that love and that joy, I feel like it's rewarding. You don't have to get caught up on the three people that weren't okay with it, I guess we could say. And if nobody's okay with it, it's okay. You've got the next store. 
to be able to say, hey, thanks. Maybe you're going to go through the drive-thru and get some ice cream. So you <laughs> can say thank you at that box because somebody in that store is probably going to hear that and feel connection. Yeah. And I feel more connected by doing that. Mm-hmm. Even gas station attendants. Right. You know, they pump our gas here in Oregon. And it's been amazing to look somebody in the eyes and really say, how are you doing today? I'm not like most doctors where I ask you and I'm going down the hall. <laughs> I'm actually the guy that wants to know, how are you today? Right. Your day is going a little rough. That's okay. You know, there's going to be tomorrow, but I hope your day ends fairly quickly so you can go relax at home. And the amount of conversations that start from there and just taking a few minutes, like that could, that could really save somebody's life. Yeah. So just leading with that care that empathy that you know you're a human being i'm a human being this isn't just a transactional moment this is this is a moment that i can make you feel seen and heard so i always like sharing that three-step process because a lot of people are so riddled with anxiety especially after this pandemic yeah and i love how you called going up to someone and saying thank you for what you do I I love how you classified that as a reward. That is really such is. A, a phenomenal reframe of what it what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that cuz that to me is the most rewarding thing. Yeah. Seeing somebody smile and really feel connected. You know, the the other day this gas station attendant, I've seen her a few times and every single time I see her, I say thank you and I appreciate you. And this last time, I really like tried to take more of a moment to make her feel seen. And she's an older gal. She has to kind of hobble around to get to each, you know, gas pump. Um, But taking that moment, now every time I swing by, she's waving and smiling. And it's somebody that hardly ever smiled any time we drove through. But that, like I keep saying, that could have save her life that could make her feel seen and heard we don't know what's going on in somebody's life but at least we can spread some joy show some compassion appreciate somebody for whatever they're doing yeah because what's challenging about places like gas station attendants or fast food workers or even just like someone working a retail job is we have put them on a low standing Oh, they're they're just there to serve us, yeah. As, as the customer, but that's not true. I mean, they're humans. They they've got a job to do, yes, but they deserve as much respect as a banker or a digital media marketer or a podcaster. Even the janitor deserves yeah. respect. They're just as important as the CEO. Yeah, they really are, because without that janitor, you're toilets wouldn't be clean right (laughs) and boy do they want to get that janitor in there quick to clean up someone else's stuff yep (laughs) so how do you work through the ignorance and discrimination that comes from other people in in your journey yeah especially as a trans man huh right Especially right now, just with the Supreme Court basically coming out saying, yeah, you can discriminate. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Yeah. And there's a lot going on within the community itself as well. 
I've been navigating this quite a bit. Um, I've had to just kind of sit back and listen, observe, and think about my place with some things. With a lot of ignorance, I I kind of put it on the scale as, is it ignorance or is it arrogance when somebody's being a certain way? That way I can just kind of figure out what to do. Um, a lot of the time with advocacy work, a lot of people think that you need to get everybody on the same track. They need to hear you. So people get louder and louder and louder. But the reality is, is we've got to step back and maybe try to have a conversation, try to figure out, is this person just ignorant and might need some education around it? Or are they arrogant and being, you know, the word. <laughs> so I've just, I've kind of put it on that guideline of paying attention to what are they being? Can I have this conversation? If not, that's okay. Because their journey is their journey. And I need to spend my time focused on, you know, what can I actually do? Is this something that's in my circle of impact? Or is it something that maybe somebody else will take care of? Right. And with the advocacy work, so many people think that you need to be on the front lines. But the reality is, is your advocacy work might not be there. You might have further impact somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So instead of being on the front lines for me, I get to create the impact within organizations that might be on the front lines. So picking where do you need to be? What conversations do you need to have? Not everything's in our control. And we got to be okay with that. I love that so much because oftentimes with any societal issue, there's this push to be like, if you are not on the front line, you're not doing anything. And it's just, I've always kind of been like, I don't really want to be in that place, but I like working over here and having these conversations. And I think it's important to remember where you can have the most impact. Yes. Mm. It's so crucial. It's not always about the front lines. If everybody was on the front lines, we wouldn't have anybody building these organizations. We wouldn't have anybody having one-on-one -on -one conversations like you do. You're creating an impact in ways that other people on the front lines aren't. And there's nothing less than, nobody's less than, but we all create this massive gears, right? I guess we're all gears turning, making something work. We all need to be at least one of those nine gears, nine categories, whatever you want to say, in order to make this massive item work, this massive thing work. I feel like with that metaphor, one of the things that comes to mind is just that we've built the wrong machine that we're trying to power. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. There's this, I just see like we've, we've spent all this time, money and energy as a society to create all of this wealth for like a small group of people. And yet what, what could life be if the machine that we were all powering was different? Yeah. I think with the internet, 
opening your mind to the wealth is like step one for sure. Because a lot of people don't think about. You just blew my mind with that. Like <laughs> opening your mind to the wealth. What do you mean by that? You know, it's not that I want the mansion. It's that I can get the mansion. Manifesting what you want is one thing, but doing the work and putting in the work and finding how can I add value to the world? I think that that's something a lot of us weren't taught in school. I wasn't taught in school. Heck, with my DJ business, if I had known anything about business, I would have sold it. <laughs> like, really? Versus just giving it all away. Yeah. You know? And just like, we can either be on one or two sides, and they're very polar to each other. We can be on the side of, screw the wealthy. Or we can be on the side of, there's a possibility, especially with the internet, that we can become rich or wealthy. But how do you add value to the marketplace? Not only that, how can you get paid for that value to add it to the marketplace? And how resilient are you to go through all the failures, to go through the little wins, the big wins? You know, you have to stay on the course and continue forward and keep changing up some things if it doesn't work. But just having the open mind to wealth, you know, it's not that I want the mansion. It's that I can get the mansion if I want it. I love the idea of business as a resilience building machine. For oh, yes. <laughs> and and. I could almost see, I was going to ask you the question, why should more people start their own businesses? And, and to me, I would answer that question to build resilience because you're absolutely right. It is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do in your life. It is. It is. And saying that your baby, the business that you're building or whatever it is, saying to yourself that that baby might have to be you know, yeah, it's your baby, you've created it, but sometimes it doesn't work out. <laughs> so being able to detach yourself and move on to the next thing is so crucial to that growth. It really is. If I had made it to where I wanted to be on my first projects, I wouldn't be as tough as I am now. I wouldn't be focusing on the people that I focus on now. I wouldn't connect to the organizations that I do. I would have forgotten all about that. And throughout this process, I have learned and I have grown significantly. And I'm honored to be on the ups and downs. I am. I embrace it. I'm, I'm on my down right now. But I know that if I put in the work, if I put in the effort, I'll be back on top. And even further, because I've learned more, I've lost some. You know, I've, I've been the loser in some instances, but I'm building that resiliency being, I'm being, uh, an individual that I don't quite know how I want to mention this. I'm always, I'm always learning and I'm always growing. And even though I'm building that resilient mindset that resilient being, 
I'm open to more possibilities that are beyond me. You know, some of my mentors have told me that you don't think big enough. And that's definitely the reality where we may only think that something is, you know, if we want to talk about money, we may think that $100,000 is more than enough. It's okay. And when we start to think bigger, we may or may not hit that goal. But I've never looked at that as I've lost. I've looked at that as I did my best and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep doing my best. And I think that's just been the most crucial aspect of starting a business. It's just realizing where you're at and being okay with the ups and downs and always being open to continuously learning. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> I'm blown away by this idea of tough, being tough. There's a tenderness with the way that you described it. Because when, when someone's tough, I think, oh yeah, well, grew up on a ranch. That's tough. Went through the transition that you went through to be a you know, transgender man. That takes toughness in our society. And yet, I just, I'm glad that you still have that tenderness component to it, though, because tough and tender to me is like that's desirable as opposed to being the Marlboro man or whatever, you know, this rugged <laughs> cowboy, rugged individualist. Yeah. Yeah. I do kind of clash those two together. They're two very opposite things, but I, I've noticed that throughout my transition, I've really embraced the lack of a better term, motherly aspects where I am tender and loving and caring. But then I also carry a lot of those, you know, I'm a ranch kid, <laughs> gotta get it done. <laughs> right. And even now finding ways to communicate where I'm not just one decision is one decision. It needs to be this. You know, trying to come at angles of, I do care. I do have a lot of compassion. And how can I better communicate? But how can I also lead somebody into the next steps of their journey? Or how can I lead, lead, lead them into maybe some shifts in their mindsets? Or, you know, whatever it is. How can I communicate that in a tender way? Kind of as you mentioned. Well, James, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we met at the restaurant and that we've got to spend this time together. As we wrap up our time today, what wisdom would you like to leave with the audience right now? Oh, be okay with taking your time. Some days will be up. Some days will be low. One of my favorite quotes is if you're only feeling like you're at 30% of your normal 100, know that you're giving 100% of that 30. It's okay not to be okay. You just need to take a moment, step back, breathe a little, 
reflect, and evaluate your next steps. That's what I'd leave them with. Because I wish somebody would have told me that a while ago. But hearing that quote be said by, uh, I think, Reese Witherspoon on her uh, podcast, it really sat with me. It's okay not to be okay. You just got to keep trying. Keep doing. Well, you mentioned the book Platonic. Is there any other book or podcast that's blowing your mind right now? The tipping point really has. <laughs> but that has blown my mind because of what's going on within the trans community. You know, there's a lot happening and it's impacting a lot of people. And people have different opinions within the community. And some people are being heard and some people aren't being heard. And I could go on and on and on of where that book kind of comes into play. But that book's been about how things go viral and what kind of impact things can lead, whether that be positive or negative. And as a trans man that's 10 plus years, I feel like there's been a lot of pushback on some of the old trans people, older generation within the community. So I really evaluated that that book quite a bit and kind of correlated it to what's going on within the community. Well, James, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work, sharing your story, sharing your passions. I feel, I'm not quite sure what the word is that I'm looking for, but I'm just grateful to have spent this time together and it has made my day. Thank you. I appreciate that because this made my day. You've got my gears turning, so I love it. <laughs> These are the moments that I live for. <laughs> so thank you for having me, Chris. I love conversations like these where I get to spend time with people who not only want to make the world better, but are actually doing it through action, yes, but just their presence. I feel so much better today. I wrote down a bunch of quotes, but the one I'm going to leave you with today is from James's story about connecting with people in grocery stores and drive throughs I think it works perfectly for you, the listener, right now, wherever you find yourself. Please hear these words. Hey, I really appreciate you. I hope you all have a good day. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life. <laughs>